Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're listening. Hey, welcome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump into this message. There's a lot of emotion for this in this for me. I've had this uh, kind of churning in me uh, since our series this summer that is going to, the, the series we did this summer for 12 weeks is uh, going to be part of our future. And I'll explain what I mean by that more, but we're going we're gonna to spend more time in our future and next year on the idea of the most exciting idea on earth, which, which is Jesus Church and what that means and how we kind of unpack that together. That's not a series that got turned off in me and now we're on to the next thing. There's a lot of that that's going to come out of me here in the next few minutes. And I'm going to just ask you to have your heart as open as possible. Not, not so much to what I'm going to say or some concept that I'm going to share with you, but really something that I believe God's Spirit wants us to get. And I, I, I think I'll explain what I mean by that here in just a few minutes. But I'm, I'm really, I prayed for you this week, and then I prayed for you again this morning I was in a little coffee shop in Middleburg, just going over these last thoughts, and I prayed for you again, that, and, and for me, I'm including myself in this prayer, that we would be awakened, we, our, our eyes would be opened to this reality that I believe God's calling us to. So I'm going to start with kind of two pictures here for you. One is what I did yesterday, which is still kind of crazy. Amy thinks it's crazy. I think it was amazing. Uh, my cousin is a college football coach. He uh, had a big promotion this year. He's been coaching college football for 15 years, but he became a defensive coordinator for Indiana. Indiana is one of the smaller Big Ten schools, but they played Ohio State yesterday. I think I might have watched the Heisman, uh, the Heisman, this year's Heisman winner, possibly, and Ohio State's quarterback yesterday. But uh, I jumped in the car Friday afternoon. I didn't know if I'd have my work done, and it just seemed like a crazy week, but I did it drove six and a half, seven hours to Columbus, Ohio, and got to be part of walking in the horseshoe, the stadium that I've watched countless games on TV since I was a kid. Uh, 104,000 seats in the stadium. It was packed, every seat full, bigger than any NFL stadium in our country. It's the second biggest stadium in the United States. And 100,000 people outside the stadium tailgating, live concerts. I counted three live bands on different stages. I mean, it, it is, I've just never seen anything like it. And it snowed the entire game. I think it stopped for maybe 10 minutes during the game. A couple times, I mean, it was dumping. And it was supposed to be in the 40s. I don't think it ever got above 37, just freezing cold. And I'm looking at, I've, I've never been in a room, let's call it a room, with a tenth of a million people before. Loud, strangers hugging each other when amazing things happened in the game. You know, just, just this super intense, passionate, amazing place. People driving, people standing in long lines to get in the stadium, in the cold, in the snow, because of a passion of something that, and how do you explain it to somebody who's not a football fan? How do you explain this? You know, Amy was like feeling so bad for me. I, I'm in the car, like, are you frozen? I was like, yeah, I don't feel my toes yet. 
I haven't felt my toes in like three hours. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was like, babe, it was so worth it. This was like, an, this was one of the best days of my year. And she was like, what? Like, seriously? And I drove seven, I drove seven hours back last night and she's trying to still get her head around this. Like, why would a human being do this to themselves? This is torture. And I'm like, this is amazing. I finally got to see a game at Ohio State. <clears throat> It's sort of like trying to describe to someone seeing some kind of alien, like an alien encounter or something. Let me give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really change the story dramatically here, the, the, the analogy to my grandmother, something that I learned after my grandmother died about 10 years ago or so. My dad and his siblings had to go through her house, and you know, that's a, that's a really hard experience to clean things out and decide what to sell and bad memories and good memories and just, you know, it's just, it's, it's an emotional experience. And one of my dad's big takeaways that he explained to us after clearing out my grandmother's house is how they kept finding cash everywhere. You know, $300 under this, this part of the mattress and $200 rolled up in a car. They found coffee cans all over her house with cash in it. And he, we could not ever get my mom, he would say, we could never get her to understand putting money in the bank. And my grandmother had to have a checking account at one point, so she had some amount of money in a checking account because she had to, you know, in the 50s or 60s, I guess, you just had to start writing checks. But in terms of, like, saving and, and trying to talk about CD accounts or retirement accounts or mutual, I mean, it was like, it was like telling my grandmother, these aliens landed in our backyard last night. And I want you to believe that, you know, she just, she could not, and we, we never blamed her. It wasn't, she grew up in the Great Depression, you know, like so many in her, her generation. It was like she would say, what on earth? You want me to walk into a building I've never been to and give my money to strangers to keep for me? Who would do that? And to us, it seems irresponsible. Like, well, why wouldn't you? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a couple of pictures out at you here. Because what I want to talk about for the next few minutes is on par with, like, having seen an alien. And trying to get people to believe it. Or trying to, at coffee, to get people to not think I'm a weirdo. Or that because I'm a pastor, pastors talk about this kind of encounter with God that we're going to talk about today. The reality of God. The presence of God at work in your life on Tuesday mornings. You seeing the activity of God. <laughs> on Thursdays, random Thursdays. When life is sweet and there isn't financial stress. And parenting. You're in a good parenting season. But also seeing the, the plan of God, the heart of God, when parenting is incredibly challenging, when financial security isn't a description of your life in that season, when relationships are strained, when you're trying to figure life out, regardless of what's happening in your life, God wants you and me to actually see him in everyday life, see him at work, understand there's a plan that is God's that's happening in front of me, and I want to be part of it. And 
for years, sitting at coffee with people, talking about faith or trying to help figure out what's going on in their life or, or, or standing here on, on, on stages like this. I, I, I sometimes I think it has the effect of people looking at me like, Brad's talking about some kind of alien encounter. Or he's a pastor, this is the way pastors talk. Or I guess random people, maybe pastors or some of them, have these sort of amazing God encounters once in a while for some strange reason. And if there's something I could do today to help open your eyes or awaken you to the reality that God wants you to know him, experience him, his sweetness, his presence, his plan in the bad, in the hurtful, in the job that you don't like. Trying to understand what, what is my purpose working for a boss like this? A lot of you and I have conversations about that kind of everyday life kind of thing a lot. Where is God in this? That, that you would see that God has a plan for that. God knows what he's doing. God is wanting to direct your life not generally, like he's up there across the universe somewhere and, and sometimes he just sort of randomly shows up and says, hey, I care about you. But every moment of your life, every element of your life, the good, the challenging, every relationship, every single aspect of your life, God wants his presence to be leading you and directing you toward the good, the strength the influence that he desires you to have in the lives of others. God at work in every part of your life. And I think it's particularly hard for us in affluent areas like the United States or like even particularly where we live. When life is pretty good, we don't face too many crises. That You know, the purpose of God is that I need God when there's a big challenge. I need God when I've got to get life back on track. Life is on track when you center every part of your life around God's plan, what he's up to, what he's dreaming about, what he wants in your parenting, in the, the challenge that parenting can be, what he wants in your job that you love or the job that you don't love, that God is at work in every single part of your life and if you and I surrender to that idea, if we give in to not our own control or, God, I need you to show up right now and fix, make my life happy again. See, that's you and me being in control. But, but God, I'm, I'm giving my life to your control, to your plan, what your dream is for me, how you want to use me. The challenge of this relationship that, that hurts or this, this ugly in my past or that you want to use every single part of my life for your plan, your good, and that when I give in to that, when I open my hands and I say, life is about you and what you're up to, that's when we see real life. Talk about happy, talk about shalom, the wholeness of God's peace. The portal, the gateway into being in awe of the good that God is doing in your life and my life is surrendering to his control in everything. I had uh, <clears throat> about 13 or 14 of our core leaders 
for our various teams here uh, on my porch a couple weeks ago. We ate dinner together, and then I, I, I shared some related thoughts about what it is to be a healthy church. And, you know, we're a part of the North Point uh, network in Atlanta uh, with Andy and Andy Stanley. And, man, what a great relationship that has become for us here. Um, and I was at a retreat about a month ago and just found myself in this surprise moment. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of a call group of six other lead pastors all around the country. And we've gotten really close over the last four years or so. We've, we've really built just trusting friendships. Pastoring is not easy. <laughs> um, and Andy talked to us in a, a session, and we just went. We just, our call group went down the hall at this retreat center and just spent an hour together just processing what Andy talked about. Andy was just very open and transparent about just surrendering. You know, we, we, we see Andy teach, and we're like, man, what a... You know, he's so close to God's heart, and he was opening up to us about some things that he's growing in, that God's asking him to surrender. Um, and so we processed this together, this conversation together, the, the six or seven of us friends, lead pastors that have built such a close friendship. And somehow in this conversation, a text message that I'd gotten from Alton the day before came up, and I just read it. I read it to our group of pastors here at the table. And without getting into the details, Altum was just, it was, it was just a, it was obviously a close friendship uh, kind of text message. And one of the pastors, I think of the largest church at our table, our table of six or seven pastors, said to me, that's one of your leaders, one of your directional leaders, one of your elders? And I said, yeah. And he said, I can't believe you have that. Meaning here at Dulles. And he said, wow, you know, our church uh, out in the Midwest is good. We're strong. We're, we're growing. We're... I've never had that. I've never had that kind of interaction with anybody in my church, like that kind of closeness, like checking in. And, and so we ended up in this conversation about, like, you know, tell us more. And then Alex came up. Alex, another directional leader here in our friendship and and the kinds of things that we check on each other about and encourage each other on. And they checking on me to make sure that I'm good, like just my heart. How are you and Amy doing? You know, that, that kind of. And, and slowly around our circle, it just sort of came out from a couple people like, I don't have that. I don't have that kind of friendship. I don't have that kind of closeness. And it left me a couple weeks ago on my porch talking to our, our team leaders about how oddly, you know, I think I lead maybe the smallest church of our, our group of six or seven. And yet, I'm not, and this isn't about comparing or competing, nothing, but, it, but the thought went through my mind. Is it possible that we're the healthiest church represented here at this table as the smallest church right now? Um, and again, that, that's, that's not a competitive kind of thing. It was an odd, irony kind of thing. Could it be that healthy doesn't always look like the American dream of success and breaking records and momentum that's just always like this? Could health be slowing down enough to prioritize some of the things that God prioritizes in the kind of relationships, the kind of friendship, having the margin in our life to check on someone. 
And, you know, a couple of the pastors in our group were just honest enough to say, I think I might be so busy, I might be so focused on church growth, I just don't have time for that kind of relationship. And they were being really honest. You know, this is just a, a really transparent kind of conversation. And so what, what, what our team leaders talked about that night is, is there a trade-off sometimes between we are going to break our own record, we are going to grow in the next month and hit this goal, is sometimes the will of God, the plan of God, slow down, stop thinking about growth or competing against not just someone else, but competing against yourself, Brad, would you be willing this month or this year to be a good friend to the people I've already led to Dulles? Would you, would you be willing to forego growth for the sake of genuine care? This is an example of surrendering some of our own control or some of our own ideas or our own wants or our own dreams, even the, even when they seem to honor God, like, but this is about growing God's church. Sometimes God says, no, 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 wait, here's what church growth looks like to me. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm describing this in a lead pastor's circle kind of context. I, um, I shared with you guys uh, some time ago, I was on a prayer walk in my neighborhood one morning, and I just sensed, you know, I'm thinking about strategy and What's our word going to be for the year? You know, we've been doing that. Our, our word has been health the last two years. Our directional team has said, we believe God wants us focused on being a healthy church uh, more than anything else. Healthy relationships and financial health and, you know. And I'm on, I'm on one of these, you know, times just walking with God, just talking, like thinking ahead. I want to get super organized. God, what's the plan? What, what should we, you know, how do you want me leading our staff team, you know, in the months ahead? And it was like God's spirit just, it couldn't have been clearer to me. Brad, would you be okay leading my church if you never grew again by one person? But I was present in your church with your people the rest of your life. You know, it was one of those, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing the voice of God. I didn't hear anything audibly, but it was, it was so clear to me. Brad, would you be willing if I just hypothetically said you never grow by another person for the next 20 years? The ne but I'm present. What you will have is the sweetness of my activity, my power, my love at work, where you're just in awe, and the people of your church are just like, Look what God just did. How do you explain this? Did you hear the story that Chris just told on Tuesday? Did you? Which would you choose, Brad? And I just told God, God, I would choose to have you close with us over the excitement of, hey, we're growing again. We're going through another growth spike. We're, we're meeting new people. This is an example of surrendering what sometimes even just looks like. Well, this is great. God wants us to grow. Surrendering our, our concepts, what we think is right, what we need, what we need God to fix, what we dream about for God's plan, his timing, his will, the way he loves 
what relationships look like to him. All right, I'm going to show you a picture here this morning, and this is where I get kind of back into the alien language kind of, you know, like sometimes I think people look at me when I talk this way like, I think Brad's, I'm not sure if this really happened. I think Brad's asking me to believe aliens landed in his backyard and he talks to them regularly, you know, that kind of, I, I can just tell. I can tell at coffee is like, I, I, I don't think this, I don't think this conversation is going well. So I'm about to do it right now. Okay, and I'm going to show some pictures. This is sacred to me. I feel like I'm letting you in on something <laughs> that's become really precious to me. Um, okay, <clears throat> get myself together here. Uh, I, my first real God encounter, and I've had many more than I can count. I write about them often in my journal. I mean, there's just many, 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 many. Sometimes when life is, is good and there's just a wind and I see, wow, God, this is actually you. And sometimes when life is super challenging, um, God just, if we let him, God will show up. So the first one I really remember happened on a street that I lived on. Uh, I was a teenager we were playing video games. We were addicted. My friends and my brother and I had really gotten addicted to James Bond. James Bond was a new video game. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> uh, and we would stay up till, you know, on weekends, three in the morning. Just, um, yeah, just addicted. Loving it, fun. You could, you could put this under the category of community and friendship, you know. Um, and there was something going on in me, and maybe just call me a weird teenager, you know, or, well, Brad's going to be a pastor. I guess this is the kind of thing that happens to teenagers who go on to become pastors. I'm telling you, that's not, this has nothing to do with that. This is about every single human being and God wanting to know us and be close to us. There was one night I was, I'd been wrestling with, what college? In my career, my dream to play college football was over. <laughs> it just was over for a couple of reasons. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to figure out my future. And I decided to just sneak out. I didn't even tell my friends. I didn't tell my brother, hey, I'm going to go spend time with God. You know, like some kind of, I just, I said no one night. And chose instead to walk in the cold on Old Forest Circle. That was the name of the street we lived on. It was uh, this wooded street, it's a mile around, almost exactly a mile. And I went for a walk to just talk to God. God, I, I believe you're there. If you're there, sometimes I know you're there, but I'm not always sure. You know, that, that's how my prayer kind of started. I, I, I don't know about college. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't, the thought of getting married someday scares me. I just don't, my, my future is just really unsettled. And I decided that night, there was something in my gut that said, Come spend time with me. Didn't hear it. Can't prove that to you, but it was just this, and I did it. And to surrender video games one night might seem silly to you. This was a massive surrender. If you can imagine it, I, I mean, friends and late night food and just the fun and the laughter. There was something deeper, something I chose instead, and God rewarded me because of that. Because surrender to his plan, his, his voice. What's his plan? What's his thought? 
What is he dreaming about for my future? Surrendering to that kind of idea is what God's waiting for. It's what he's calling us to. So uh, here are a couple pictures. There's nothing magical about this place uh, where the street actually comes together and the circle's completed. <laughs> it's old for a circle, old for a circle, which I always thought was kind of cool. And uh, a couple images here. That night, it actually snowed, funny enough. Something happened in me that night where I knew, I knew, again, I can't prove it. I'm not going to try to prove it. I knew God was walking with me in the snow that night. I, you know, <laughs> the footprint in the sands, a deal that's almost become kind of a cliche. I was going to say I wouldn't have been surprised to look down and see footprints next to me. I would have been, actually. <laughs> if I, I would have been like, oh my, you know, but it, it was, it was, on that level of God is walking with me. And to say I felt it almost kind of steals from what I'm trying to describe. This isn't about feeling. There have been many times where I see the activity of God in my life, and I don't necessarily feel goosebumps. Or I don't have this sense of overwhelming excitement. I just see the sweetness of God. And then there are times where you do feel it. Or, you know, tears well up. In your eyes, because you're, you're just overwhelmed with what God's doing. And what he's revealing and what he's, how he's encouraging you. And you're finding your security, not in the money or the college that I thought was supposed to be the college. But you're finding your security in the idea that God says, he has my future. And he has a plan. And if I surrender to his plan, not only is life going to work and be good, it's, it's going to be beautiful. He's going to do things that I'll have trouble describing, like how amazing. Like, so that's starting to happen on this street, walking around this curve in the snow. It was just powerful. It, 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 it's the first of many, many, many. I didn't have my whole life planned out that night. It, it's, it's not like God gave me a vision and like, you're going you're gonna, to, and then you're going to meet a, a, a girl named Amy. And then... You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was, it was a sense of if I stop trying to control everything about my future and I allow God to reveal and show me circumstances, a college will say no. A college will say yes. Look for my plan, Brad, and everything. Be open. Be willing to make money in other ways than what you thought <laughs> on the football field or as an architect. My plan B became architecture. Uh, you will see me do things in your life that will leave you speechless. That sense, very, very real inner sense of God's voice happened to me on the street. And I, uh, how many years ago? 30 years ago? <laughs> that happened. I've gone at least once a year for years, usually at the end of the year, usually, usually over the holidays, I go to that street quietly park, park my car in the dark and walk that street in the cold. It's usually late December. Not because that's the portal, the magical, you know, in, in Virginia I found one place where I can actually meet with God. Uh, that, that's, that's formulating God. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's visual. When I'm back on that street, I envision again, ah, this is where I was walking when I took that scary risk of saying, God, you can have my future. You can define what college looks like. You can define what marriage or family will. I'm going to let you be in control. 
the visuals just help me get back into that place of surrender. Does that make sense? And so I often go. I often go and walk that, that circle. Again, I want to read this story from Exodus 3. Please fight the temptation. The human nature temptation, when we read this story of Moses, some of you have read this story many times, you've heard it many times, maybe, maybe for some who are joining us here, this is newer to you. Fight the temptation of thinking, well, that's the kind of thing that happens to somebody named Moses way back in the Old Testament. There are these random people in history who have these encounters, but it's, it's, it's not something that happens to me. You are stealing from God's plan for you if you allow that thought to dominate your interpretation of the story. This story is not about some man, this giant of a character in history. This story is given to us in Scripture for you. God intended this story to be read for you and your life and your future. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, I, can't, I don't have time to unpack a lot of this for you, um, for, for us this morning, other than to say this is a low point. This is language to say Moses is at a low point in his life. When you are tending your father-in-law's sheep in this time, in this era, uh, not a lot of good is happening in your life. You're not walking in a lot of dreams having been met. In fact, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's home. He'd been adopted into Pharaoh's home. I mean, the, the greatest empire on earth, the, the, the White House, the palace. You are a child of the palace. And now Moses is so far from that experience. He's murdered a man, hid the body in the sand. He was doing it to defend the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, who were being bullied and just horribly mistreated in their slavery. His intentions were good, but he's been hiding for years in guilt Okay, so he's, he's now a shepherd for his father-in-law. One of the lowest forms of existence was out in the fields with dirty sheep. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. You ever felt like you've been in the wilderness? I love that God's spirit gives us this language. Moses isn't just in the desert. He's on the far side. He's in the bleakest, most depressed place of his life. And he came to Horeb. We learn this later. It's later that we learn Horeb would become named the mountain of God. This is the first of many encounters where God meets his people in this place. So before Moses was the great character that we think of, when we think of Moses, he was struggling. He was at a low point where God shows up and God calls his name. And God says, I want my space, Moses, and your human space. I want, I want them to intersect. I want to be together. I want to meet with you. I want to be close to you. I want you to live your life on my terms. I want you to dream about what I dream about. There, the angel of the Lord, and I wish I had more time to explain why this is probably Jesus in the Old Testament. An angel of the Lord appeared 
to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. This is uh, just a little bit of background here. Um, Wildfires weren't necessarily uncommon. Uh, I go to Los Angeles a lot, and I've seen numerous times and numerous trips smoke off on this hill. I've seen flames on top of hills like, that hill's on fire. And people, locals are like, oh, yeah, 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 it's just a wildfire. And you just keep driving. You know, it's just like, it's so dry, you know, lightning or just heat, you know. Um, That's kind of the, the area, the topography here. It's not uncommon. What's uncommon is when the bush doesn't burn up, especially when it's so dry. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. God uses many things in your life to try to get your attention. They can be simple. They can be strange. Moses said the strange sight. God will use anything and anybody and circumstances, challenges. He'll use anything to try to get your attention to say, come close to me. I've got your future. I've got the plan for you. I want you to interact with me. I want you to see my activity, my good, on Tuesday mornings and Thursday afternoons and in the the good of life and in the stress of life. The question is, do you move? You don't have to have all the answers, but do you move? Do you step toward God when he's getting your attention, when something super challenging happens at work, when you lose a relationship? Do you see God is trying to quiet my heart? God's trying to get me to give up control. He's trying to get me to stop trying. He he wants to say something. Do you respond in those moments? When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to, to look, God called to him from the bush. Moses, Moses, calls him by name. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God will turn everyday places. He could turn the chair at your desk at work into the most sacred place where he wants to meet with you. He can take some random street in front of your house. He can take a pond, or a library in Stone Springs. He can take any place and make it the most special, beautiful place because you surrender there and say, I want to know what God thinks. I want to know what God's plan is. I want to know what his future is for me. I I want to hear what he has to say. I want to stop being in control, and I'm going to maybe let God be more in control. Those places can happen anywhere. It doesn't happen just to pastors or to somebody named Moses. These are places where he wants to meet with you. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And this is where, this is maybe that's God calling right now. He's, right, Steve, God called Steve and none of us. I don't know what that means. Okay, so it's not just for the emotion. You know, I grew up in a church where it was just sort of the goal sometimes was in worship and in prayer. Let's just feel God. That's not what this is ultimately about. What it's ultimately about is God's wish, his plan, what he's doing. 
what he's orchestrating, how he wants you to be part of the plan that he's unfolding. And so here we go. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt who've been in horrible slavery. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down, and this is language that speaks, foretells of Jesus. Of all the world religions, all of them, only one, and I hate even calling Jesus a religion because to me, it's not a religion. Jesus came to upend religion. Of all of the world religions, not one of them has God coming down to us. Every single religion requires us to work our way up to God, to earn his favor. And here, way back in the Old Testament, God says, I see and I hear and I'm so concerned about, I'm coming down. And Moses, I want you to be part of it. Here's my dream. You care about my dream, Moses? You're wallowing in your guilt. You can point out all the mistakes in your life. You can be depressed about what hasn't happened or the way your family's unfolded. Well, let me tell you about my dream. If you'll you'll surrender control, Moses, to what I care about, I'm going to show you how I can turn the broken and your guilt into good. And I want to do this for every single person. So he's telling Moses his heart to come down and rescue the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good land and spacious land, a land that flows with milk and honey. This is always the plan of God to take broken and ugly and turn it into good and beautiful if you and I will surrender control to his hand, his voice, his plan, his timing. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And so God just continues here with Moses Verse 10, (laughs) oh man, I just wish I could visualize Moses' facial expression here. So now Moses, go. I'm sending you. And I I, I bet you Moses was like, wait, 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 wait. I thought this was about this amazing encounter with you where I just feel your presence. And I'm blown away at what you're, you love me. And there's always this, I do love you. I want to be close to you, and I want to do things through you that you cannot do on your own. And so Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, wait, 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 wait. But not me. My my voice. I'm not articulate. I can't. And God says, Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I know you want to argue with me. You want to talk about the murder. You want to talk about your guilt. You want to talk about why you're you're not the leader that can do this. You're the perfect person. Moses. To experience God in every part of life, every part of life, your work, the mundane, the challenges in marriage. We've talked about marriage. I mean, if we're honest, marriage is, I think, the hardest relationship on earth. It exposes your selfishness in so many ways. In every part of life, every single part of life, God wants to be experienced. He wants his voice to prevail, his plan, his timing, his good. He wants us to surrender our control, our dreams, not for living like, you know, life in a monastery and we're just always kneeling. And you know, God wants to do beauty in your life. And the temptation of this world is to say you can have it by working so hard or saving the right amount of money or your retirement being. I can't tell you how many people just had this conversation again. I'm not thinking of a specific person when I say this. I hope you trust me. Countless, countless people who've moved from the Dulles area because they were chasing 
such a lucrative job. And lucrative jobs can be part of God's plan. The, que- the question I want to ask them is, hey, slow down. Is it the lucrative job or is God, is God calling your heart to this job? I've seen people chase homes and beaches. And will call me a year later, Brad, can you talk? It's interesting, people trying to get out of the Dulles area, trying to get away from the traffic, trying to get away from the things that maybe they don't like here, or there's just no beach here, or there's no, whatever, whatever. And we love the beach, and we, there's times where when life is stressful, we just want to get to the beach. But they will call back to the Dulles area, or will actually come back to the Dulles area to sit and have coffee and say, Brad, help me figure out. It's like life's gotten more stressful since moving away. Since the, I mean, it, I, I can't exaggerate how many of these conversations over the years I've had with people. Because this job, this relief, this kind of house, this kind of location, living in the South, living where it's warmer, that will make me, that will make me, I will have more time for God when I, it's the opposite God wants you to surrender everything to him and his plan and his timing and his dream. And then you see life. Wow, look what's happening. God's using me to influence a friend towards good. Uh, I don't have time to really unpack this scripture. I'm going to just read it. Um, So many things this year I've been writing about in, in Related to the wilderness, the beauty of the wilderness. Sometimes we use God to get us out of the wilderness, out of the desert, whatever the challenge is. God, just, if you'll just help me get. And what I've learned is that God uses the wilderness to actually finally get us a lot of times to surrender control. It's, it's like you'll only actually meet God in the wilderness. If you'll just accept this is the challenge right now. This is the struggle. God, I want you I don't want you to fix my problem. I want what matters to you. I want to learn your timing. I want to learn your heart. And then all of a sudden in the wilderness, life starts springing out of desert sand. It's like, wow, there's my relationship. This, there's healing happening in my life. I've never felt so confident. I feel peace. I thought you were in the wilderness. I, I am. I thought I was in the wilderness. <laughs> I feel alive right now. And then Anike, Anike here, who so many of us have just grown to love as a dear friend. Um, I hope this isn't embarrassing, but Anike and I pray together on Tuesday evenings for you, for our church, for God's heart and role here at church. And we, we met on Tuesday to pray, and she said, hey, can I just read this real quick? I just felt led today to read this prayer Uh, before we pray for our church. And I said, sure, and here it is. This is really kind of the anchor point of the morning. Thank you, Anike, for hearing God's heart. She's reading from Ephesians 3. These are the words of Paul, and Paul is describing to this young church in Ephesus, this small little church in this metropolitan city of Ephesus. Paul is down on his knees praying for this church that there would be this awakening where they would get it. They would get it. And this is what he says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Like real identity is in him. Not in who you're related to or who you marry into or your family line or what you've accomplished. I pray that out of 
his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit that you'd understand something, that you'd see something. We're not there yet, but that's that he would, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I'm praying this, that you being rooted and established in love may have power. He's, he's like repeating himself that you would have the power together with all the other people of the church to grasp, to understand, to see how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You cannot understand this, and yet I'm praying that you will. God's love for you and his plan to be a part of every facet of your life, for his presence to be known in everything that you do and everywhere you go, you can't comprehend it as a mere mortal. And yet, I, Paul, am, am praying somehow you will. That God's spirit, he would give you this rare power to open your eyes to see how deep the love of Jesus is for you. Regardless of what you've gone through. Regardless of how you've been wounded. Regardless of how you've wounded someone else. That you would see and grasp the depth of God's reality in your life. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know something that you can't know. I'm praying and asking God to help you know something you can't know. It's that deep. It's that remarkable that God cares about every moment of your life. Every struggle and challenge and win and exciting. I want you to see that he is craving his close presence to overlap with your presence. That's sitting in my Jeep. I've had so many interactions with God, like moments where I just see the beauty of God just driving in my, my Jeep. Sitting on my porch. Sitting at the kitchen table. Leaving a coffee after a super hard conversation with someone who's hurting and, and still seeing God at work, trusting, I, I know you're at work. Something beautiful is going to come of this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be all the credit and amazing working, the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I so want us to get this. Paul wants us to get it so much that he's on his knees asking God, help them, help them to get that closeness with you is possible. It's my prayer for all of you. I prayed for you this week. I prayed for you again this morning, for me, for my family, that we would get it. We would get this. We're not going to be perfect. There's still going to be selfish moments. And even in those moments, do we try to control and hide it? Maybe God doesn't see this. Or do we, do we surrender control of those moments? God, teach me. God, make my heart right. A couple more pictures here um, from recent places where I walk. I, I do a lot of walking with God. I drive in my Jeep. I'll go sit places off of Snickers Hill Turnpike. There's indoor places I go. These are just, this is uh, in South Riding, where I live. Uh, I walk this trail. You can see a little bit there. Often, many more, multiple mornings a week, I walk, and I am just talking to God, and I'm trying to practice what we're talking about today. Continually, God, I give you this, this stressful, this stressful thing, this thing that's happening to me. I, or I want to control this situation. God, I'm giving you control. Show me. You lead. 
show up in this. Sometimes I feel like God's walking right next to me, and sometimes I don't. I'm just aware God's, God's moving this toward good because I'm allowing his presence to lead. Uh, there's the bench. I'll sit on this bench on that path often and just, just conversations with God because I'm learning to expect he wants to be with me on this Thursday. In the middle of a busy day, God wants to be the center of every part of my day. Uh, in Aldi, I found this trail. Hardly ever see anybody on it. It is gorgeous. And I just will walk through these trees. You come up on this stream, um, beautiful spots along the stream. And I'll just sit and say, God, there's, there's nothing like you leading my life. There's a lot to stress about right now. There's, there's problems I'm trying to solve in my head, but here I am again giving this to you because you already have the solution. You have the good. I've watched you bring good out of, these are the, I could show you a hundred, I could show you a picture of my Jeep, my seat of my Jeep. I should have taken a picture of that. Just my black cloth. <laughs> so many conversations with God sitting in my car. All right, so we've got we to wrap this up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this quickly, but boy, this is important. Here's where we put this to practice. I'm asking you to, to do these things with me this week, okay? I'm going to give you a daily prayer if you want to snap a picture of the screen so that you can take this prayer with you. Uh, we'll try to email this out. Two, two prayer points. I'm going to ask you to start praying every day. And if, if the first step for you is praying for 10 seconds a day, I'm not calling you to wake up at three in the morning and pray for two hours. I, I had a youth pastor that did that, and it just, it moved me so far from wanting to pray. Like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're going to go all in, Brad, you got to go at 3.30. We're going to pray at the church. And I, was, I, I didn't show up at 3.30. I was sleeping, or I'd finished playing video games. I'm not asking you to do that. Maybe you start with 10 seconds a day praying, God, I want to get it. I want to know your love and see your closeness and your power in every part of my life. Would you pray that prayer every day? Start praying this every day. You don't have to get the words just right. Just this is your heart. God, I want to get it. I want to get it. Help me to see you in, in the, 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 the boss that I just can't stand or this arrogant or the, or the neighbor. Or the, you're at work. You want to do something. Help me to see with your eyes. And then the second prayer is, God, make your church the most exciting thing in the world to us, to me and to the people of our church. Make your church. Our church isn't perfect. And it's the most exciting idea because it's Jesus' church, not because of something we're doing or because of our music. Or... The church is supposed to be the most exciting. It's not Capitol Hill. It's not the Republicans taking control or Democrats. That's, not, that's what so many people think will finally solve it's the church. It's Jesus' church looking like Jesus, sounding like him, behaving like him. It's the greatest solution for our planet. It's the most exciting thing that's ever happened this side of the resurrection. And our prayer is, God, would you make your church the most exciting thing in the world to me and to us and to our neighbors and to our neighborhoods? And then would you buy and read Tyler Staten's book? It came out about a month ago. Uh, a lot of our core team leaders here are reading this with me. If you thought it, you would never buy a book on prayer, 
and read it. It just already sounds boring. I'm just asking you as your pastor, will you buy this book and start reading it? It is, it's a, it's a book that I think we're going to probably do as a series. And I might even read a couple chapters just sitting here on the stool on a Sunday morning. Read the chapter and close in prayer. It, it is so profound to me right now. Uh, it's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. He starts by talking about how boring prayer is to so many people. And yet, if we learn to pray the right way, we just watch God just, it's like peel back the dimensional barrier between our world and his world. Would you do that? And then last thing, this isn't going to work for a lot of you. I understand that. This is just, Chris and I here have been walking a lot on Wednesday mornings, mostly just to talk and but this Wednesday morning, uh, if you want to walk and pray with me in, in a different trail, actually through the woods, not, not pictured here, uh, at 7.30 this Wednesday morning, if you park at the South Riding Town Hall, just thought it'd be easier to say that than to give you an address. The South Riding Town Hall, you park there, I'll be there at 7.30, I think Chris is going to be there. If you want to walk with us, and we're just going to pray. You can pray quietly, you don't have to pray out loud. If you want to join us as the step of I'm going to try this. I'm going to do something really different. I'm going, to, I'm going to step out. I'm going to step towards the burning bush and say, I'm going to go see this thing that I think is happening. That's not going to work because of a lot of jobs or situations. But if you, if you want to join 7.30 this Wednesday morning and walk with us for 30, 40 minutes while I pray or lead us in prayer, join me, okay? We're a little long here, so I'm going to... I'm going to Start a prayer now that will, that will continue Wednesday morning. God, when I get in the car here in a few minutes, I'm going to say to you, oh, I hope I didn't get in the way this morning of what you wanted to say. I hope my words didn't confuse things. So I'm just saying it out loud right now. I, I really hope we're... We're hearing you, the desire of your heart. You so often hear our dreams, our wishes, our crisis, what we need you to do. God, the desire of your heart is that we would encounter you, actually see you in our lives, in our school, in our homework, in our job stress, in our relationships, in our dreams that we would see you, that we would revolve life around you so that it opens the portal to you doing the remarkable in front of us and inside of us and through us. So God, this morning we say yes. It feels so risky. We don't know exactly what it's going to lead to, but we say yes to centering our lives around you and your presence and your power that your love would invade us in a way that we've never experienced. That's it. That's our prayer this morning. I'm not going to say amen because we're going to just keep praying this. I love you guys. I just hope to God these words uh, have landed and that we get it, me included, that we get it, that we get his heart. Have a great day. Uh, if you can't join Wednesday morning, I continue the series next week and then we close with communion. I think it's going to be a really special time. Love you guys a lot.